This is Cinema Roundtable. My name's Jake, and today I'm joined by Erica. Thank you for having me once again. And Jared. Glad to be here as always. And we are excited to talk about our feature film today, which is The Northman. I know for me personally, this has been one of my biggest anticipations for this year. I know we've gotten, after after things have slowed down for COVID uh, last year and this year, it seems like we're kind of getting the backlog on a lot of uh, films that people have been looking forward to seeing. Um, where was this on your guys's? Uh, anticipation list. I was going to say it's it's definitely up there. I mean, the fact that we're getting this and a new Jordan Peele movie in the same mm-hmm. year. I mean, that's big. If Ari Aster would have come out with something this year, I would have been like, forget about it. We've hit the trifecta. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I um been going to these movies. So I went to um I saw The Witch and um at the Draft House, and then the next day I went and watched Midsummer. And nice. so oh, wow. yeah. uh, the the two or the trailers were exactly the same <laughs> for both of those movies. And they were uh, the Nick Cage movie, which was kind of an outlier within there. But then it was um, Nope and mm-hmm. the Northman and um, uh, Men. And yeah, I feel like excited all of, for Men. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like it's just like kindred spirit almost of this like artsy like elevated horror thriller genre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that are always backed by really creative directors, usually also writers um, with Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, uh, Roger Eggers, and uh, Alex Garland, all writing and directing their films. I'm pretty sure. So you were at the Midsommar brunch. Yes, I was too. Was were, uh, maybe on a different day though, but I went with some friends. I went on Easter. Oh, okay. I went the day wow, before. What a day to go! I know. It was, <laughs> yeah, a, very, that's it was yeah. a very pagan Easter. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, we went to the like 11 o'clock showing of The Witch the night before, and nice. then the next morning we went to went to to that so it was it was it was fun um but before we get into our discussion on the northman we are going to discuss a few other films that we've seen recently and we're going to start with jared he's going to talk about the bubble yep so the bubble judd apatow's new movie exclusive to netflix and uh yeah, you know, it being Judd Apatow, he pulls in a huge cast. I mean, the guy can command pretty much whoever he wants because they know they're going to be in good hands. Um, I think, though, for me, the bubble was a bit of a letdown, ultimately. it uh, It's kind of a one-note movie for the most part. It's like, you know, what if a movie production got stopped by a pandemic you know let's imagine that let, i mean I, I i imagine a lot of productions that were you know stalled or happening you know at the initial outset of the pandemic kind of went through a lot of the things depicted here and they put the kind of the funny twist on it but there's nothing more to it than that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um you've got a super talented cast uh in front of the camera you've got super talented people behind the camera, because it's not just Judd Apatow. I think one of the biggest draws for me um, as well is the co-writer being Pam Brady. I was I'm, just going to say that, too. When yeah. you look at her background, 
being with South Park. Yeah, and her early aughts output was awesome. I'm a big fan of Hot Rod. I was going to say and Hot you know Rod. What? Hamlet 2, if I meet a Hamlet 2 fan, Hamlet I know <laughs> I'm in good company. So uh, this one just, you know, it just kind of missed the mark all over. Um, because again, it's just, it's just a setup and kind of the joke and it doesn't really go much further than that other than this like production that just gets drawn out and kind of drives all the actors Mm -hmm. involved insane, which sure. Yeah. You can imagine what that would be like and, uh, the funny things that could be a result of, but yeah, just because yeah, you have like a lot of like jokes here and there and you know, can't we all relate to this in some kind of crazy way? Sure. But if it doesn't uh, add up to a greater whole, then yeah, it just didn't didn't work for me. And yeah, I don't think I have too much else mm-hmm. to say. Sometimes I feel like, and I don't want to blame this on Netflix, but when Netflix gets a hold of somebody that you know, you know, has shown great promise or has delivered great films in the past, when they kind of just let them be unleashed, and you know, not to say Netflix just lets filmmakers do whatever but maybe there's not as much studio pressure or you don't have to like listen to notes or things like that or previews, test screens, that such. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the worst tendencies can come out and mm. go unchecked. And Th- there's, there's definitely a balance to it. I know a lot of people talk about like the studios getting involved with creative process and obviously that can cause some terrible things. Yeah. I mean, Ask Josh Trank about the Fantastic Ooh. Four remake and and numerous Edgar Wright with with Ant Man. I mean, yep. the the superhero <laughs> genre has really seen a lot of this. But at the same time, there's also a lot of film projects that could have used a little bit of direction. Uh, George Lucas, I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I would say with Apatow, he has had such a like successful track record mm. in the comedy sphere that I'm pretty sure he can pretty much do whatever he wants at this point. Yeah. And no one's really going to question him. Nope. Um, I mean, with the backing of Netflix, cause King of Staten Island, was that also direct to Netflix? No, no, no. It was, uh, I want to say it was universal as I think a lot of his movies have been. Okay. And then it got sidelined by the pandemic and he, along with the studio and, you know, they brought Pete Davidson into the discussion, I believe a bit, uh, decided like, Hey, you know, we're going to go direct to digital with this. That's right. It was one of the, it was one of those, but like, I mean, that one didn't seem to be super successful overall. And I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I was familiar with the bubble but it had totally left my brain. Yeah. Like when you had brought it up, I was like, oh yeah, that was a movie <laughs> that, that I think that I saw. Like just, just a month ago. Yeah. And yet it feels like it was already so long ago. Yeah. And that's also a little bit of my problem with Netflix is they just have so much content. It's quantity. And it the next the next week or the next day's worth of, of content just gets dumped on top of the previous thing. And yeah. it's just lost. Now- um, I think one thing that for Judd Apatow that always kind of goes unchecked because mm-hmm. he is who he is. Yeah. Most comedies don't need to be over two hours. I immediately looked mm-hmm. to see what the runtime and I did see it was like 124 minutes, I think, or yeah. something like that. I've listened that is to, long for I, a comedy. Yeah, and I've listened I, to him talk and he doesn't have much of a defense for it either. He's like, hey, you know what? You pay the same price for the 90 minute version. I just give you an, an extra 30 minutes for the same price. And I'm like. That yeah, doesn't necessarily make a better movie. Not the point. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't remember who it is. It might have been 
Ebert that said, no bad movie is too short and no good movie is too long. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a, a figuring out what that sweet spot is. And it's almost yeah. such a calling card for Apatow movies at this point that it almost feels like he needs to make all of his movies <laughs> over two hours. So a uh, couple things. Erica, how familiar were you with this with this film? Uh, not at all. Not at all. See, there we go. Yeah. And that's a whole that's a whole thing. Um, are you? Do you follow comedy? I mean, comedies are so hard um, to somewhat to say nowadays. I, but I, I do find that with comedies, for me anyway, there's a greater potential for disappointment. Like I find it funny, or I don't find it funny. You know, it, yeah. it's um, it's harder to have like a nuanced critique it's it either works for me or it doesn't and if yeah. it doesn't it's a long it's movie a slog. to sit through it is yeah, yeah. like if you're not if you're not like having the same pulse as the the movie mm -hmm. comedies are probably the the hardest to get through in my opinion cuz like a good like a bad horror movie can still be somewhat entertaining I'll still watch it if <laughs> there's like some fun kills in it or something like that and like i mean Usually, even if I don't like a certain drama, there's usually some artistic aspect yeah. that I can appreciate or something like that. But yeah, if someone thinks something is funny and it is just not funny, mm -hmm. those are the movies that I turn off. I've been doing a – I haven't been doing it recently, but I've been going back and watching some of the movies that I thought were funny as a kid yeah, and seeing how well they hold up. And some hold up very well and some are – turned off within the first 10 minutes um i will tell you that happy madison has been <laughs> that production company has had multiple movies that i have turned off that i remember liking as a kid yeah. but <laughs> but yeah so speaking of so what is your guys's go you've already kind of mentioned your comedy background but so what are some of the comedies that you like well i really love bridesmaids that's got to yes, be uh, great. somewhere in my top five as far as comedies go and i enjoyed spy quite a bit yeah paul yeah i was gonna say paul feig with uh female driven comedies i mean mm -hmm. he was on a streak there mm -hmm. i loved him yeah and i think also it comes to writing with that too i mean we talked about barb and star yes um <laughs> back in our go listen to our best of 2021 podcast and you can talk about <laughs> barb and star a little bit but i think same writers for uh, yep. that film and so Annie you kind of get to and uh, kristen wig yeah. <laughs> and so you get to see some of those uh fun creative ideas that they have but you put it in the wrong hands sometimes and it's not always the greatest but but yeah well if uh what is so this is on netflix so if you're interested in yeah, the bubble, dig dig through everything Netflix has got to see if you can try and find it. Because uh, <laughs> you know, and not to go off on a tangent, but again, you know, filmmakers that are of note that put out stuff on Netflix, I just hate that sometimes it just gets lost on there yeah. and things. Because I I don't know how you all feel about like a uh, filmmaker like Jeremy Saulnier, but like when he had a new movie and it like dropped on Netflix, like Hold the Dark, I was mm -hmm. like, okay, wait, what? This just like came and went. Good sort movie. Of I have not seen so, it. Solid movie, but it just got lost. Yeah. I mean, you compare it to Green Room and Blue and, Ruin, and, Blue yeah. Ruin and, and other stuff like that that are... And even Murder Party, like his initial <sighs> like, feature That's debut. a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Like have that. you seen Murder Party? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. got like a nice following that people are aware of, but like <laughs> it's like Hold yeah. the Dark. I mean, where's where's yeah. the conversation? Yeah, quick huh. shout out to, I'm gonna to Murder up. Party. <laughs> um, very, very fun. Um, well, that's The Bubble. Um, next, we're going to move over to Hulu, 
and we're going to talk and I am going to talk about <laughs> Deep Water. Now, this was a movie that was kind of I don't know, it was anticipated in some circles <laughs> for a couple reasons. One, because is, it was the is... return of of the erotic thriller which is kind of a dead genre. I know. And needs to stay dead like yeah if it couldn't get be re, if it couldn't be revived with uh mcconaughey and hathaway as we were talking off mic just a bit ago with serenity i'm not sure what <laughs> app like an armist could do for it to me it's like a glorified like a soap opera but they just ramp the sexual yeah. sexual side of it all the way up and then another thing with this is the relation the off-screen relationship of Ben Affleck and mm-hmm. Ana de Armas, which is funny given the subject matter of this film. So if you are unfamiliar with this, um, the IMDb blurb just said, a well-to-do husband who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid a divorce becomes a prime suspect in the di- disappearance of her lovers. Um, now, I will say this film has a lot of quality backing, actually. <laughs> The director is Adrian Lin, mm-hmm. um, who did Nine and a Half Weeks. He I was did say, Fatal Attraction. He's like the godfather of like the erotic thrills. At yeah. least, you know, 80s Unfaithful, moving on forward. Which was his last film in 2002. So obviously, him coming back to do this. He also did Jacob's Ladder. Oh, I love Jacob's which is a Ladder. great, huge, film. Really huge great erotic film. thriller. Yes, <laughs> the most that, that that club scene. Oh, super yeah, erotic. Love, no, well, it kind of was actually. <laughs> You know, in a terrifying, uh, yeah, yeah, in a monstrous, nightmarish way. So, Al, do you feel like um, the erotic part did well with this? Because when I think of Ben Affleck, I actually think of walking birth control. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are people that definitely agree with you and definitely disagree with you. So, there's a lot of people that were very excited about a shower scene in Gone Girl. So, <laughs> they were probably excited about this. Um, to me... Personally, well, just to to keep going on the backing a little bit more, the two writers of this film are uh, Sam Levinson, who is Barry Levinson's uh, son, who also is the creator of Euphoria, which is the hottest show probably right now. And also the most disturbing for parents. Yes. And then also a film that I personally love called Assassination Nation. Which, if you haven't seen that, uh, it is wild. I can definitely see. I personally have not watched Euphoria, but just knowing what happens in that film and some of the complaints that people have, <laughs> I can see where people are coming from. I will say that this is also written by someone named Zach Helm, whose two main credits are that he wrote Stranger Than Fiction and Mr. Megorium's Wonder, Wonder Emporium, Emporium, which do not seem to fit the erotic thriller no. genre um, very much so Will there's Ferrell, that and Dustin Hoffman now, now yeah. I'm wondering did they incorporate like slapstick into the sex scenes so no okay. yeah That's I was gonna say it's like <laughs> in this like litany of like casting creators that you're uh, rattling off like where did it go wrong for you because yeah this this <laughs> movie was kind of infamously scuttled to a streamer so so yeah <laughs> and then also on top of it it's based by a, on a book by Patricia Highsmith who wrote Strangers on a Train and okay. talented Mr. Ripley. So good source material. Really good source the things, material. I, Solid pedigree. I will tell you this movie does not work at all, in my opinion. It uh the the three things that I have written down on here are repetitive, simplistic, and sexual and weaponized sexuality. Hmm. Um Okay, so I have a question regarding like the weaponized sexuality. So um 
in terms of kinkiness, like <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, one being your garden variety Fifty Shades of Grey type movie, and ten being Tumbling Doll of Flesh, where would this wow. land <laughs> on that scale? And listener, if you don't know what Tumbling Doll of Flesh is, don't look it don't up. Don't look it up. It's fine. Don't include that in your search history. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't do that on your work computer. Um, but uh, I would say that this is is not a, a kinky movie by any means. It's very straightforward in its eroticism. It's a lot of like just Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. So it would get mm. like a negative one score then, not even on the one to ten. It would be below one. Probably. Mm. There's nothing too crazy other than a, 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 a couple – that is in a polyamorous or an open relationship where uh, where it is one-sided in terms of who the person taking it I guess taking advantage of the 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 situation. Ben Affleck never really pursues anyone in this movie and Ana de Armas is just like almost throwing it in his face the entire <laughs> movie and it, it I mean I'm just going to be straightforward with you guys because it is <laughs> this is not a great movie. Basically the, the 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 whole movie plays out like this. Ana de Armas brings a man around. She like flirts and and like has a relationship with him right in front of Ben Affleck, then that person goes missing and then it happens again. Rinse and repeat. And then it happens oh. again. And there the are waters are rising. <laughs> <laughs> And and so it just it it just it it was the same thing. There was no real twists to it. And for someone who hasn't done a movie in twenty years, who is kind of the master, quote unquote, of the erotic thriller, to be like, this is the thing that I want to come back for mm. is pretty disappointing. Now, this genre is not one that I particularly love, so it's not like I had super high expectations, but I still wanted to know how it played out. Um, but yeah, that's uh, deep water. Uh, if you're interested, I guess check it out. But... I see. I see that Lil Ray Howery is in it as well. Yeah, there's some random people that are in it. Seems, like he's in it, random. and Kristen Connolly is in yeah, it. Yeah, from Cabin in the Woods. From Cabin <laughs> in the Woods, and um, Finn uh, or not uh, uh, the one from uh, from American Horror Story. Um, what is that is a show I oh Finn Whitrock. Finn Whitrock is in it. Um, so there's like just random people in it. I will say that um, Lil Ray play Lil Ray plays um, his friend, just like mm. one of his friends. He's not as funny and like out as he would be in another sure. movie. You would see him in, but he's definitely more of a com like a comic relief character. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Um, like I said, check it out if you want. Or don't. Um, it's totally up to you. Um, but yeah, that'll move. That'll move us on to our next film, which I had to write down because I always mess up the title. And that is everything, everywhere, all at once. Erica, would you like to start us on this? Sure. Um, so I know it's it's still early in the year, um, but this is by far my favorite theatrical release so far of 2022. Um, Love to hear it. I, I suspect it will end up in my top ten list for this year. Nice. Honestly. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoiler <laughs> no need alert. to tune in for the uh, end of the year episode. We know where it's going to be. <laughs> um, like the the trailer, you know, looked a little bit crazy, but it didn't prepare me for just the outright 
insanity of this film. I don't think you can surmise anything about this movie in two and a half minutes. No, no, you can't. Um, It's like a a very bizarre but also touching film that um, kind of reminded me in its quirkiness of the novel Welcome to Night Vale, which I highly recommend. Um, I'm familiar, but I have not read it before. Yeah, and and the, the film has like such a quirky sense of humor, like there's talking animals, there's shapeshifters. I won't give some of that away, but it's whimsical shapeshifting some very equally quirky martial arts sequences where there's um for instance a character uses his fanny pack like uh, a pair of nunchucks and another in which a woman uses her small dog on a leash as a weapon just by swinging that dog around with great force which made me a little worried for the dog but it was also (laughs) funny at the same time did you check for the PETA endorsement at the end Uh, yeah yeah it's like apparently no animals were harmed so that's I don't know (laughs) to make sure that they cover their <laughs> cover their uh, their butts on that one. Yeah, there, sure. there's like a talking raccoon in it. <laughs> there's just all kinds of weird things. Oh yeah, and an alternate uh, universe in which everyone has hot dogs for fingers. Like this, yep. this is a yeah, very strange uh, moment. But Jacob, uh, you're looking at it strangely, but it's in the title. It's everything, yes, everywhere, all at once. Literally everything. So um, Eric and I were talking off mic earlier about Swiss Army Man. And um, I have seen that. Uh, she has not. And we, I was just kind of voicing my opinion briefly on that film and how it is also pretty crazy. Have you seen it? Uh, no, but I'm, a, I'm aware of the premise, and it's from the same creators. Same, the Daniels. The Daniels, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and how it is a lot of kind of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, and it's not going to be for everyone. I mean, also on a smaller level, they also – directed the turn down for what music video which is also kind of a nightmare okay i have to watch um, that i've not seen i have it. not seen that the who is that is that little john yeah um which i have heard it compared to the final scene in mother if that gives you any idea <gasps> oh my of god that sounds the, terrible. the chaotic nature of that music video oh uh-huh. but there no babies are eaten in no it. okay so spoilers <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll no, we'll get to the, we'll get to the, child in and riot. infant harm later when we get to talking about Robert Eggers. But. Uh, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> in in just like the riot nature of it, okay. but um, but okay. So let's. I have not seen everything everywhere all at once. So do you guys? Do you want to give us maybe just a brief synopsis of what the general idea of the movie uh, is? Yeah, sounds hard to describe. So the the main character is. Uh, a Chinese immigrant. Um, she and her husband own a laundromat and their life is just chaos. Like it seems like it would be a simple business, but they're just you know, in the weeds all the time with everything just behind the curve. Um, they keep messing up their taxes because she's always deducting her hobbies as if they were business expenses. Although that, that kind of becomes important later. Um, and then while they're uh, meeting someone from the IRS, going over all of their receipts, and just I don't know, being read the riot act by the the auditor who's played by Jamie I was Lee say, Curtis. Let's, let's definitely note the auditor. Being yes, Jamie Lee Curtis, is a very the unglamorous but awesome <laughs> Jamie Lee she, Curtis. Yeah, she is great in this. Um, uh, then she uh, gets uh, I guess taken aside by her husband, or rather, someone in her husband's body who tells her, like, gives her basically these odd missions and odd instructions, like, you have to put your shoes, like, on the wrong foot and, you know, do this other odd thing. 
and then it that helps her access um, the talents or memories of a version of herself that is somewhere else in the multiverse so she can unlock a skill and she has to unlock the right skills because there's some dangerous character whom I won't spoil who that is, but who is like potentially going to destroy the entire multiverse. Uh, okay. So just from wondering this, this is giving me a very video gamey vibes at times, in terms yeah. of yeah. construction. <laughs> yeah. You is, could definitely pull mm-hmm. from that. Is that okay? I just since I have not seen it, just kind of having tasks and having to like check them off, right? And like gaining new skills to like kind of like pass this certain level, sort of yes. thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like with this movie, it's the culmination of so much over the last like thirty to forty years of pop culture. Because it's not just movies, but it's also just like a shared knowledge of what people consume and how they consume it. And yeah, it's kind of crazy that this kind of comes out in a year that we've got like the multiverse coming with Spider-Man No Way Home. We're about to hit Doctor Strange Strange. uh, and the multiverse of madness and Mm -hmm. things like that. And yeah, here's this movie that kind of encapsulates all that and so much more because it's like, hey, do you love do you love the Matrix? Then this is going to have a flavor for you in it as well. (laughs) Do you love like awesome martial arts movies especially coming from the 80s and 90s because you love michelle yo yeah she's in it as well you love like spielberg sentimentality and some of the stuff he did it's got that plus the return of i'm gonna try and not to butcher his name but ki huak no i'm butchering it <laughs> ki huak kwan um he, he, he would be credited in other movies such as like the goonies and indiana jones and the temple of doom mm-hmm. as i think like mm-hmm. jonathan kwan yep but his return to acting here he's in it and it's amazing and you have, like, the prolific James Hong, mm-hmm. who, if you've seen, like, any, like, TV from the 80s or 90s along with movies, you've probably seen him. Like, if you saw the famous Seinfeld episode, The Chinese Restaurant, mm-hmm. yeah, he's uh, he's the proprietor there. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, he seems to have popped up in everything for <laughs> yes. a period of time. I feel like when I think of him, I think... Um, I think of him as the dad from Wayne's World yep. 2. Yes, Wayne's that's, World 2. For some reason, that's the one that sticks into my head all the time. <laughs> and Balls of Fury, randomly. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but great character actor. Um, does what... Seems to not divert super far from what he does, but just knows his lane. Yeah. And when but. people see him, they're like, oh, it's that guy. He's definitely mm-hmm. a that guy, you know. I, we were for talking sure. about the Rewatchables podcast off mic. I think this guy... Might be like an all-time contender for that award for the that yeah, but um yeah, and then as as mentioned earlier, it's also got Jamie Lee Curtis playing so terrifically, kind of against type and looks here. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's awesome, but uh, yeah, really at the heart of it, it's like kind of a multi-generational uh, immigrant story and a family drama wrapped into like all this craziness, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I saw this under the least desirable circumstances, like for my point in life, oh, no. because, um, you know, I got a text from my buddy who was going to go go see it uh, Saturday night. He was going to see it in Lincoln where we record this podcast, but I live in Omaha. So it's a 45 minute trek. He's like, I'm going to the late show. Do you want to come? And I'm like, hey, sometimes I like to try and remind myself I can still be young and do things like this. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'll come. So I drive like the 45 minutes there. We're doing like the late show. And I'm just like, I am in a point in my life where this is not a smart idea anymore. Mm-hmm. I am trying to like take this 
just wildly original movie in and like I can tell like I'm starting to fade but at the same time I know I'm like witnessing something truly unique mm-hmm. and uh yeah um it just it, yeah it, it's hard to describe the the Daniels describe their style of filmmaking as maximalist oh yeah and that, it is. that is so <laughs> so fitting here um and yeah kind of knowing like all the pop culture that has informed this movie. I thought of a specific friend of mine to recommend this to before I could, he posts on Facebook and to my dismay, he just, he annihilates this movie. He did not like it. And it's like, okay, you know, to each their own, I get that this is not going to like speak to everybody or work for everybody for that matter. And like, I've got a lot of people in my life. I would not recommend this movie to because it's a lot to take in, man. Mm -hmm. When it gets going, like, yeah, I was having to like, focus as much as I could to like stay with it because yeah a lot comes out there and some of it's just goofy off the wall stuff but it all still has a point it all builds to something uh you mentioned like yeah there's a universe with like hot dog fingers (laughs) super silly but it's still doing a lot of character work in that Mm -hmm. like those Mm -hmm. brief scenes it's it's going for some laughs for sure but it's definitely informing how this character is going to have their arc as well. But my friend, he just, you know, he couldn't kind of see it for what it was. And again, if it doesn't work for you, that's fine. But I guess I took umbrage with the fact that he kind of specifically went out of his way to like tell people avoid this movie at all costs. Mm. And I'm just like, man, that should not be your attitude, at least not about this movie. Because you know what? Every movie out there is going to have at least one fan. And listening to podcasts and reading other reviews – you know, I'm definitely not necessarily the target audience aside from like pop culture influences, but there is definitely uh, a, a large audience that this is speaking to, especially anybody that's got like an immigrant family uh, history or anybody that's got like multi-generational trauma that gets passed down. A lot of that's getting unpacked in this movie and a lot of people are feeling like heard and like getting feeling like represented. So, you know, if it works on me, for me on just like one of its like thousand levels it's going on, that's great. But it's doing so much more for so many other people that mm-hmm. I would not want anybody to like denounce it or tell other people to avoid it. Any other? End of rant. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts? Uh, n- not really other than I do highly recommend this movie to people. Perfect. I mean, everything that I have heard has been positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it currently is a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which honestly, I'm surprised. Or 91 uh, What's audience, the, I was 97 gonna say, yeah, the audience score. critic score. Yeah. So way higher than I would have expected for a movie that seems as chaotic as this is. Um, but yeah, uh, glowing recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, so go out and see everything everywhere all at once. I assume it's still in theaters. Yeah, currently. And, and it's doing like it's obviously not doing gangbusters. It's not you know gonna do Marvel levels. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, is like weekend to weekend, it's not. Sometimes it's not even showing any drop at all, <laughs> nice. and it's gaining a little bit. Nice. So that's nice. It's 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 a nice nice little story coming out of that. Perfect. And googly eyes work <laughs> so well in that movie and pay off tremendously as well. Fantastic. Well, that is. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. You're good. Uh, that is. Every, man, I totally almost butchered it again. <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, go to your local cinema to see it. Support movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, so, the final movie that I wanted to talk about just briefly before we go in uh, to our discussion on The Northman 
um, is a very uh, probably an Oscar contender. I was going to say, say <laughs> I, thinking of the performances in the movie, I'm going to peg two as at least supporting supporting actors, yeah. and that's in, that's of course uh, Jackass Forever. <laughs> um, this movie uh, was released on Paramount Plus, and so I got a chance to see it um, as someone who is in their very early 30s. I grew up watching the Jackass television show as well as the other films and films and um, as well as the bonus 0.5 movies. Um, they're just as dumb and crass as they are. There's just something so charming about the those guys now this um you get all of your favorites back except for bam margera yeah. except did you know he's actually in one scene yeah i think uh it's the mar- it's marching the band. marching band yes. he is one of the guys it in was the his marching idea, band uh they there's a scene where they uh, are in marching band outfits <laughs> with big with all of the marching band like instruments bones yeah yes and they are walking on a like treadmill an, like going, an industrial sized treadmill yes and being thrown into a garage door basically or whatever it is i mean that goes back to like one of my favorite stunts of theirs i can't remember if it was jackass one or two but the roller skating in a um in a moving moving truck in the back of a moving truck yes yeah that stuff that that's gold to me uh yeah uh this movie is 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 very familiar but also they did a nice thing that i think is probably the smartest idea for them and that's incorporate a lot of new faces yeah. um that are non-celebrity faces i know that in in previous films they have brought in random celebrities will be in everyone they like, do that with this one too they, i mean it, you get machine gun kelly you get machine up. gun kelly you get eric andre um but they bring in a whole new crew of younger next people, generation of jackasses and from talking to some people seem to well received yeah. the the people the new people you've got uh just some people to shout out i think the the three main ones you see a lot of is uh is zach holmes that guy's a go-getter who is basically like the new preston basically yeah i, I was gonna say i think preston lacy gets a little bit of a unsung status because he kind of like is the one that like pushes a lot and comes up with a lot of the uh, initial stunts. Like that guy's kind of a mastermind, more of a behind the scenes yeah. guy. Um, Rachel Wolfson, which is the yes. the first ever female member of yes. the Jackass crew who holds her own in this. She doesn't have a ton of things to do, but the things that she does do are she ridiculous. Steps up to the plate she and takes sticks her, her tongue on a, <laughs> on a uh, taser, which is ridiculous. And then I'd probably say that in my personal opinion, the MVP of the new people is poopies. Probably Aaron. Mm. What of the new people? Oh, of the new ones. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, Aaron. We, we can talk about that. Aaron (laughs) is the MVP of the former crew. My gosh. They, They definitely tone down a lot of the violence in this for the older generation, other than genital violence. Um, which uh, I, I know is not unfamiliar to this series, but Aaron, <laughs> oh my goodness, in this film, in this so one. much, so much trauma to the growing, as well as I, he was in the one super life threatening situation that I could not believe. I'll just say, like the setup is like there's some honey involved. 
And, and they do show it in the trailer, so you may be familiar with it. But we don't need to spoil details on it. But That's half the fun of these movies, that, is just seeing what the crazy thing that they'll do next. Between that and and they they do an extended cup test scene <laughs> where they have four <laughs> different scenarios where they where they test out uh, a cup and all I, on Aaron. This all is on Aaron, Aaron and it is uh hard to watch in certain places. Um but ultimately what I'm just going to say is this movie has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie is so much fun to watch. <laughs> Obviously, just like the last film that we talked about, not for everyone. <laughs> if you are have a passing knowledge of Jackass, you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, if it sounds like something that you want to watch, then watch it because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think that by adding these new people, they've really preserved the legacy that is this brand that if they did want to be a part of it, you could still have the guys in there in more of a creative side and be on camera for maybe some of the more prank related things, but they aren't putting themselves quite as in harm's way as they did in the previous films. Yeah. I, there was a fun thing in the trailer. I think it's Steve-O that says that doctors recommend to not have concussions after the age of 40 and they're lucky because Johnny Knoxville's 49. And <laughs> uh, I just thought that's kind of emblematic of this series in general is just a group of friends doing things that they shouldn't, but they seem to always kind of have each other's backs and the I, I would say the the camaraderie of the group really makes this fun to yeah. watch. And I'll say, you know, you mentioned earlier that it's it's all the original gang minus Bam Margera, but you know, also just wanna note that obviously Ryan Dunn is not in there as well. But you know, these these are all brothers in arms with their stunt work and everything mm -hmm. and they truly miss Ryan Dunn and yeah, they give them they give yeah. them a tribute. They do. And and so I think uh I like I said, I would give this a recommendation if you feel like watching it. It's on Paramount Plus right now. Um and so yeah, I think that will wrap up our pre-festivities and now we can get into our main course here which is The Northman. Um and before we get into our discussion, I just wanted to ask you guys what your relationship with Robert Eggers is. Uh, I know that he has a small filmography, but I would say it's a very distinguished filmography mm -hmm. erica would you like to start us off well i am a huge fan of the witch and um also did enjoy the lighthouse um it, it wasn't quite as much my my kind of movie but it was still a really good film so i was looking forward to uh seeing what agers was going to do next yeah i would say that i watch the witch probably once every three to four months nice. probably wow <laughs> Um, it is, it's, it's so interesting because, uh, Lexi, who is also a contributor on this podcast, we both seem to have movies that are kind of comfort movies that probably shouldn't be comfort movies oh, to tell other me people. <laughs> um, and the witch is definitely one of them for me. Nice. It's, it, there's something about it that I can just put it on when I don't know what to watch. And I just feel like watching something that I love. <laughs> and that's always one that I like. Hers is Midsummer, or, which is, mm. so just just a little rant here for a second. When we went and saw saw it at the as we were talking earlier about the the brunch, um, they have an interview, a Q, a recorded Q and A with Ari Aster, mm -hmm. and he interchangeably uses Midsummer and Midsummer. <laughs> yeah, so it's oh. like, well, what's the right way yeah, to say I know. it? 
he is change. He will say it one way for one question and one way for another question. I was like, I'm finally going to get my answer. And I did not get the answer. So I'm just going to call it midsummer from now on because that's what my mom. <laughs> well, calls maybe, it. maybe we should <laughs> so... uh, just go to Sweden and see what they exactly <laughs> actually funny story. Uh, yeah, I had my car, my, the, the family power wagon in the shop just a few weeks ago. And this mechanic, this older guy, lovely man, love him if you can find a true mechanic, talked about going to Sweden where his son is. And he's like, yeah, we were out there for a festivity called uh, Midsommar. I was like, I don't think I can talk to you about <laughs> this amazing movie. I do not think you would have had the same experience as I witnessed on screen. Yes, my um, my mom, my, I come from a very Swedish family, and my mom grew up in a town that is very Swedish in Kansas, and they would have May Queen ceremonies. Is it is it Lindborg? Lindsberg. Yep. Oh, Lindsborg. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Lindsborg. Yep. Yes. I've been yep. there. Yep. Oh, they nice. call it Little Sweden. Um, <laughs> my mom is from there, and they would do like May Queen cool. stuff. And so when we would talk to her about this movie, she would Burn be like, a man I don't know what. Bear I don't know what the problem. Like, why they have to make things so bad. Um, <laughs> she has not seen the film, and I said, you should probably stay away from it. I don't think you would like it too much. But um, but yeah, um, did you anyone else have anything to share about Robert Eggers before we get into the newest film? Yeah, I, I think I'm right along the same lines as Erica, where The Witch was such a strong start for or for this new filmmaker. It's like, holy cow, really kind of like grabbed you by the throat and didn't let you go. Uh, the Lighthouse. Yeah. Again, super appreciate it. It is surreal, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's he had a vision for it, and he went for it, and I applaud that. Um, the Witch, I was just looking up the release date because I was like, okay, the thing for The Witch with me is I love it. I own it. I went and saw it in theaters as soon as I could. <laughs> it's super hard for me to revisit because this movie came out two months after my first son was born. Oh, and that okay. like I remember yeah. sitting in the theater and having like my <laughs> first visceral reaction ever and it was a point in my life where I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh no, movies are now affecting me differently." Mm-hmm. Man, that's unfortunate. And like, you know, if I was any less of a of a person or just an appreciator and a, a horror film fan in general, I might have like just been like, "I'm done with this movie, whatever." But that's not my style. I was like, "Nope, I gotta stay with it." Because I mean, as hard as this is, this is something. This is something new. Mm-hmm. And even though I do not know half of what these people are saying in their thick like New England folk <laughs> accent, this is still something I got to stay with. And I'm glad I did. And yeah, this guy's he's got a pass for me for at least the next, like however many films he does. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And it, it was clear that he put so much research into the time period and also yeah. what that society believed witches were and what they did. I was just very impressed by that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, just the, the, the amount of detail in all of his films, I mm-hmm. think, is something to appreciate, even if the story isn't necessarily something that you would like. Um, but just as a little brief uh, run through, this is a, a kind of an all star cast, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, it is led by Alexander Skarsgård with um, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicole Kidman playing large roles in it. Uh, Ethan Hawke. Bjork, Willem Dafoe, all having relatively small roles in terms of screen time, but important in in their characters. Um, I was unfamiliar, really, with is it Clay Bang the the 
the antagonist of this film. The uh, the uncle. Yeah, flu- uh, Fulner. Yeah, the brotherless. Yes. Um, yeah. Aside from the big names, most of the rest of the cast were unfamiliar with me. Yeah, which which also feels like something that Robert Eggers tends. Well, I guess his cast tend to be pretty small, honestly. I mean, uh, <coughs> Lighthouse is mainly just the two, and yeah, then the mermaid, Egg of the mermaid, and then also <laughs> the witch. There, there's the opening scene where there's a lot of people but for the most part it's just what the it's just six family, family mm. the six, yeah. or the six yeah. and a go and, and philip yep <laughs> and and philip um i will say this is a, a kind of a departure from his style a little bit in that he kind of veers away from some of the more horrific like horror genre yeah. things there are definitely horrific things in mm-hmm. this film but definitely kind of more into like the action epic mm-hmm. style in just a small thing, a young Viking prince is on a quest to avenge his father's death. Very simple, um, simple storyline. But I would say this film uh, had way took itself in turns that I was not expecting a traditional story like this would. Um, Did you I, never have to read Hamlet in high school? Well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, some of the some of the the melancholy nature of it mm-hmm. and just some detail things he doesn't go to take back the throne he goes yeah. to just cuz the he finds out that the that the person who killed his father is just on yeah. a farm now in iceland <laughs> mm-hmm. and and so going away from that and and some of the the like noble quest aspects of it are kind of pared down a little bit in terms of some of the realizations that you get from some of the characters and kind of what their motivations are as the movie progresses. But ultimately, I thought this movie was great. <laughs> um, I thought that all of the acting was 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 very good. I thought it looked beautiful. Um, Eggers gets to explore a little bit more in his sceneries. All of his movies are beautiful, but they tend to stick to one location for the most part where in this he gets to you get to see sprawling landscapes Mm -hmm. from time to time and you get to see a lot of um boat like people on water scenes and and i think that area of the world is also just gorgeous in general kind of that that northern atlantic uh close to europe area is fantastic um i had some some minor nitpicky things i would say with it (laughs) Um, I thought some of the dubbing was a little bit weird. I don't know. Apparently, if that of came you out noticed. of post production mm. and some preview screenings. Yeah, uh, I thought there was some some moments, but it wasn't overly distracting. And something else that I thought was kind of interesting is I thought a lot of the action was slow. Ah. Um, I thought a lot of the fighting, the movements weren't as crisp as I would like them to be. Apparently you needed to show them how to wield a broadsword correctly. I know. I mean, I'm an expert, obviously. No, um, for a movie that's, uh, so one of my biggest pet peeves with a lot of action movies is when the hero is being attacked and there will be like one person that attacks. Waiting their turn. Oh, yes. And, And you see a lot of this in this film. Um, I will say that there's a lot of really good action in it as well, but there was just some that was kind of a little bit of something. But overall, I thought this movie was fantastic. Uh, Erica, what did your what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I have to confess, like in the first five minutes or so, I was a bit worried because I 
it seemed to me like the acting was very stiff and stilted, like kind of stagey and theatrical. But fortunately, that was not a problem for long. Like I got sucked into the story pretty quickly um, and and then like couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't leave the theater for a restroom break or anything. It's like, <laughs> I just have to watch this whole thing. I can't take a break. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was a visual masterpiece, really. Mm-hmm. And there were, um, I don't know, it's such a such a gritty movie in, in the the realistic parts of it. But I like how they contrast that with those different kind of hallucinatory vision quest scenes. Like those were like just extremely mm-hmm. cool. Um, I do have to say that I mean, it's also a very brutal movie which you have to expect with the subject matter knowing that it's based on the same legend that inspired hamlet Mm. you know there's going to be a lot of bloodshed um i have to say this movie at times made me want to take a shower um not because of the lack of moral compass of the main characters or the brutality of the fight scenes but because everyone in this movie is physically filthy like everything's dirty constantly it's it's so awfully they should be yeah it's it feels so it's so authentic for like i'm sure that's exactly what that time period in culture was like though it's like i like the fact that the movie's very uh, realistic in that way Uh, and apparently also um robert eggers was like trying to look in all these minute details about viking life like what kind of spoons did they eat with you know (laughs) like down to these little nitpicky details that most people won't even see Mm -hmm. but he wanted to get as much right as possible which i totally respect yeah i don't know uh super details but uh lexi like likes to play the assassin's creed i'm a fan yep and she is currently playing valhalla right now oh nice and so um getting to see some of the parallels between some of the like uh architecture is really interesting she said that there was a that the doors have the same designs on them the thing that stuck out to me is that they're all drinking out of those horn style glasses Mm -hmm. which is what you see constantly in in Valhalla. Now I feel like when you're pulling from source material like that, you're going to find stuff, but it's fun to see that consistency in that kind of Norse lore and just kind of like, this is probably what they were like. (laughs) Um, We're learning more from video games and classrooms here, folks. I mean, there's a lot of uh, brutality and uh, just terrible morale just in general with viking culture Mm -hmm. that i don't think gets explored enough in schools i think there's kind of a um, a viking pirate like yeah uh, idealizing like fun halloween costume style sure history of these characters Look, I'm not going to besmirch anything. I my my high school, the Northwest Vikings. Let's just leave it right there. So <laughs> I'm a Viking for life. Hey, you know what? How many different places are Vikings or or mm-hmm. these these things that they probably shouldn't be glorifying I, that right. well? Yeah. but and that's just it. Yeah, you can only learn so much about you know yeah. Viking nature and how they were before you take like one step, even like a half step down and be like, oh, this is what they were also doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Jared, what were your thoughts on this? Um, you know, Eric, as you said, you were maybe worried a little bit at the the beginning of this movie. Um, I had a thought coming out of the first act where I was sitting there going, man, this might be the, like, the first or at least most accessible Robert Eggers movie for general audiences if they have the stomach for it 
you know, come to learn that this is actually kind of his first bigger production, given mm-hmm. a big budget. It's kind of a and blockbuster. Yeah, I think it's like $60 million budget. and Which relative to his other films, for sure. And, and you know, I, that's that just like warms my heart because it's like, I want to give bigger budgets to, to people like this. Um, mm-hmm. I want to see what they can do on a bigger scale. And now he did have... Um, a few things that he had to abide by. This was his first movie. He did not have final cut on not saying that it was a huge tug of war and a battle with the studio, but there were a few things that, you know, he wanted to make sure, you know, he did for the sake of what he was doing and Mm -hmm. what he was seeking, but also, you know, wanting to, you know, do right by the studio and the audiences that they wanted to kind of pull in it as well. But uh, yeah, for me, as, as you both said, I mean, I don't think Robert Eggers is ever going to shoot a bad film. You know, he's one of the most purposeful people with a pan or a long dolly. Like Mm -hmm. since, I don't know, like Wes Anderson is like constantly stylistically so different, but yes, Mm -hmm. a lot of the same with their camera techniques and moves. Exactly. They've got a purpose behind it. Like that opening shot, you know, you're just, you're following like a couple of Ravens and Mm -hmm. that's obviously going to factor in huge later, Mm -hmm. but then it just like, pans across the water and suddenly you know you're with these boats and everything mm-hmm. um and you know it's just like moves like that that i'm just like i'm in good hands here you know this filmmaker they know the language they know what they're doing they've done the research and i'm learning a bit more about eggers himself he's got like a theater background being like a previous like costume designer and things like that so uh, mentioning like he's looking up like exact spoons and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's, I guess, no surprise there. <laughs> no. Like the guy does his homework because this is kind of what he has done. He knows how to do. Um, and yeah, you know, we've are already kind of like referenced Hamlet. And yes, it's kind of like Hamlet was born out of like Norse mythology. So it's like Norse mythology, you know, by way of like some Shakespeare and Hamlet with with a little dash of uh, some Oedipus Rex in there as well. Come the uh, <laughs> yeah. come uh, the second into third act and things. Mm-hmm. But uh, we can talk more about yeah, that in, in the spoilers, spoiler section. Yes, <laughs> um, uh, there's there's also like a few elements of like not just like Greek tragedy, but like certain dramas as well that I just like. I'm always a big sucker for like oracles or soothsayers, and in this case, the Me seeress. Too. I love it. Like. As as adverse as I am to like so, spoilers she's so in good. general, yeah, like I if some for some reason if it happens within the story, you know, outside of a preview or somebody just blabbing their mouth, if there's somebody in a story that's gonna be like, hey, this is what's gonna happen to you, mm-hmm. like pay heed, take mind of what I'm saying. I don't know that it just like somehow like raises the stakes without giving it all away mm-hmm. because it's still up to the character to make a choice. So the fact that we have things like that in there, that's always gonna be a hook for me. I'm always down for it. So you know, I remember like when the Oracle popped up in the matrix, I was just like, Oh, this is so cool. And it just gives you an appreciation for, you know, storytelling that's been happening for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years. Exactly. Well, if we don't have anything else, pre spoilers, we might just jump right in. To me, there are two (coughs) main spoilers, Mm -hmm. but uh, we will listen to the bumper and then we'll get into spoilers. Could it really be that simple? Secret lies with Charlotte. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Aren't you asking us to accept a pretty incredible coincidence? I'm just saying a coincidence is possible. And I say it's not possible. Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Charlotte breathe is people! The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. 
we're back uh, with the spoiler section for The Northman. Now, um, like I said, there are two that I can think of. Um, and Jared alluded to one, so we'll just let you take take that first one. If if you would even call it, I would call that a spoiler. Yeah, it's it's definitely a turn that you don't see coming. It's a bit of a reversal for a character you at least would have had pegged differently. So as the story is set up by this young, basically, prince, he's an heir, uh, whose kingdom is like stripped away as he watches you know, his father get brutally attacked and the murderer take take his position his throne uh the boy as he is like escaping who would later grow up to be alexander skarsgård's character of how do you say his name uh, um, 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 uh, um, uh of course omelette as uh as young as young omelette is uh paddling away <laughs> He he is chanting. He's like he's like I'll avenge you, father. I will rescue mo- you, mother. And there's a third thing he says that's escaping. I will my- kill you. Oh yeah, Fjolnir. Yeah, yeah, Fjolnir. And so he's repeating these three things. That middle one about his mother is kind of the big turn that you don't <laughs> see coming when he finally is quote unquote reunited with his mother as he sneaks in to kind of like her. I won't even say chambers because again they they're basically like outcasts on this like island where they're just farmers with mm-hmm. slaves as he like comes comes to her um unbeknownst to her in in her quarters there at night yeah it's revealed that you know what she uh she was behind his dad's his dad's death he mm-hmm. begged he begged uh who Fjolner is his uncle begged him to do it and was thrilled and it- and that's kind of where I was coming from when I say there's some turns that I wasn't expecting from this yeah. is that it it seemed like with a traditional like getting revenge and taking back the throne style film that it would be like come in, you save the day, you rescue the people that are your loved ones and everything ends up being a glorious <clears throat> victory at the end basically. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely not – and you see that in him also, him like absorbing – that news that kind of this life that he's been living and all of this built up just like anger and aggression has been leading to trying to kill this person and saving his mother. And then it turns out that she is just as bad, if not worse than he, than, than the murderer is his quest along the way, just kind of like keeps getting like taken down peg by peg Mm -hmm. by peg to is reduced to like, so what are you doing this for mm-hmm. at the end of it? Which I think, which I do find very interesting because, you know, he raises himself. He gets in with a band of other, like, Vikings. He's pillaging. He's plundering. He's murdering. And, yeah, then he finally starts to hear details of, like, what has happened to them. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they don't have, you know. I'm not going to take the kingdom yeah, anymore. I'm not going to take the kingdom, but they're off, you know, living a much simpler, less, uh, you know, Royal life. Still still kind of holding certain aspects of a kingdom yeah. with mm-hmm. kind of their slave. They yeah. Yeah. The slave yeah, they, they and, still wield control. Mm-hmm, but but definitely pared down substantially from the early scenes that we see of this so where you see the glorious kingdom. Yeah. So it's it's not quite the, the, the stakes that it once was, but hey, I can still avenge my father, I can still rescue my mother, I can still kill my uncle sort of mm-hmm. a thing. And then, yeah, gets there and... Cross one of those things yep. off the list, <laughs> um, but but yeah, um, I would say the other main spoiler of this is that 
he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess I don't know what you guys, what you were expecting, how this film would a- end. Did you have any expectations? Well, knowing Robert Eggers, clearly a sequel setup, and that's <laughs> what I was sorely disappointed by. The Northman too. Now it's personal. <laughs> No, we were we were talking about this when we were leaving and we were we were wondering about like what what like the son of Fielner could have played in it in terms of like which which son? Sorry, the young son. Yeah, the like Gunner? Is that what it Gunner? Like the the one that was the, like the offspring with Nicole his... Kidman. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. In in that you could almost set it up where okay, so uh Amleth comes in kills Fjolnir, goes to take his throne or whatever, does whatever he wants to, go joins Anya de Armas and their You twin. mean Anya Taylor Joy. Or, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? I was talking although, about her earlier. Now in the I film. do want to like see what like a mix up between oh, Anya Taylor Joy and Anna de Armas Sorry. look like. <laughs> yes. Anya Taylor Joy. Um <laughs> this is a way less erotic thriller than <laughs> um but no uh join them and their their twins that they mm-hmm. that they talk about and then maybe there's another story not that they would actually go through with a sequel sure. but just set up that like now this small child had his father killed by this other person and how you can almost perpetuate this like cycle yeah, of revenge, of yeah. revenge mm-hmm. and violence within Viking culture. But this does not happen. Um, he just nope. kills the kid. Um, <laughs> you, you can tell that he has resentment. <laughs> just a little, a tiny little bit, bit of a grudge. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy because earlier in the movie during, uh, I, I don't know the name of the game they play out on this field, <sighs> but he kind of comes to the rescue of who he understands to be basically his younger brother now mm-hmm. he saves him on purpose takes out um the actor who played uh the mountain from i was game gonna of say thrones. was that the mountain yeah that was game the mountain yeah but uh so yeah um it, it does it does it goes in a lot of different directions that you would not expect and it keeps getting continually reduced down to just kind of like almost like primal instincts like what else is it all for mm-hmm. if not yourself so i don't know <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, if if I were in his position, I th- I think I would rather leave with the lovely young wife and you know and, uh, the kids that she's gonna give birth to and just forget all this other stuff. But uh, yeah. no, of course not. He's obsessed. <laughs> I I will say I did enjoy the romance aspect of this film. Mm-hmm. I I I had a feeling that when they were kind of bringing this character in, that sh- he may be like very cold. To, to her like maybe she wants to like have this partnership with him but he's too singularly focused on what he's doing but it feels like he kind of starts to have his barrier like his walls come down a little bit which almost is nice in that it kind of as you were bringing up earlier like what am i really doing this mm. for mm-hmm. and to be like okay this already happened like this life has kind of been a lie but now i have this new path with this other person that I can kind of start anew and, and go from there. And I can still hold in myself that I have this, this kingdom that I am that he even says like, you will, I think he says like you will birth Kings or something like that or something along those lines. So there's this kind of fulfillment in his future offspring. Um, ultimately that doesn't really pan out. Um, but I did enjoy that aspect of this cause um 
yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy I thought was great. She's great in everything, though, in my opinion. So I was just saying, another, another great thing to come out of The Witch was just kind of like the discovery of her. I like that mm-hmm. Eggers kind of... Yeah, and we've already, you know, a couple months ago, we talked about another movie starring her, Last Night in Soho. So That's correct. I and just... we talked about The Batman last time with Robert Pattinson, also an Eggers guy. So yep. lots yep. of Eggers connections and that's, here. I, and I like the idea of him, like, possibly building up his own, like, repertory of actors, you know, because he's working with Willem Dafoe again. And, mm-hmm. yeah, bringing back Anya Taylor-Joy. So. You do see Kate Dickey and Ralph Ensign also, who are the parents in The Witch. The Witch, yeah. Play small uh, roles I did in not I didn't notice that. Yeah, nice. Kate Dickey, um, I think, is like one of the the, the house women um, okay. that's kind of like directing people. And then I think she might be the one that points out where Anya Taylor Joy is in a in a scene where a character character comes in um, requesting a woman. Oh yes. Um, and then <laughs> yeah. and then um, <laughs> Ralph Ensign plays the captain of the boat that. Okay. That Anya Taylor Joy uh, takes off on. Um, there's a lot of like open wor- like just open water swimming in this too, which I also was like, Ooh, the Giardia. The, the, <laughs> being able to just jump into like open water and be like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna breaststroke all my way to. I would doubt most people could possibly do that, but I mean, I look at Alexander Skarsgård, I'm like, yeah, I believe he it. might be able yeah. to. Right? But even a small child, just I'm gonna take a rowboat into yeah. the Atlantic Ocean or whatever it is. Yeah. And and just find a way, but yeah, but yeah. Um, any other thoughts about the Northmen? I always, I mean, another kind of cool aspect of it for me is uh, I like the Nightblade. I like when uh, oh, yeah. within its own within a story they set up like <clears throat> its own mythology, mm-hmm. and so being talked about and like it comes with its kind of like its own set of like rules and conditions, like mm-hmm. when it can be unsheathed and such. Which adds kind of a comedic moment. Yes, it does. Later in the, or in the later part of the yeah. film. Yeah, which, yeah, no, I mean, it lends itself to some like kind of like dramatic irony here and there. And I always appreciate that. Um, I do wish we would have gotten more from like the Olga character just mm. a bit, like in terms of like who she was. Cause you know, we start off, she mentions that she's like a Valkyrie and things mm-hmm. like that. But then like later on, she says, I'm not really a Valkyrie. And I'm like, Okay, I want to know more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I get that, that maybe it's not this story, but yeah. there's just some things like that that I'm Sequel, like, right? yeah, I guess yeah. there it is. Like, what, where does her boat land, and like, what do the become of the children? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they're always just like I don't know, and not necessary, but still uh, wanted character development things that I just like to like know some more like backstory, just to give myself a little bit more investment. Because other than the movie, sometimes just telling us like, you know these are the two best looking people that <laughs> will naturally just love each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like to have a bit more sometimes meat on the bone as That's it gets fair. cleaved <laughs> away viscerally on screen repeatedly. <laughs> true, um, true. But yeah, still it's, that's just a minor nitpick because yeah. yeah, there's still a lot just to, to grab onto. And I guess Eggers, uh, if there's some like other staples of his filmmaking style, it's, children do not stand a chance in his movies no because uh, a lot of children perish in this one too mm-hmm. he definitely has his things he likes he likes children not having great fates he likes historical work he likes the north atlantic i noticed too oh. i mean with new england and then i think i well, think I mean, the, the lighthouse, lighthouse is, yeah. is the maritimes i want to say he seems to be a pretty coastal guy depending mm-hmm. not and not uh to say he's like one continent you know beholden no so no, so um, 
Well, that wanted I wanted to bring this up. What do you think is next for him? What would you like from him? Because there has been some speculation on two different projects from him. Oh. I don't know if you are familiar with this. I haven't heard this. No, I haven't. Um, he has been rumored to be doing a miniseries on Rasputin. Ooh, um, fascinating. Which would be interesting, but I don't know where that is in in terms of reality. And then the other one that I've heard multiple things about is him making a remake of Nosferatu hmm. um, with Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. I was going to as... say, which is so bizarre because does does anybody not remember Shadow of the Vampire? Well, right. there's that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think when you look at the at the source material and you pair it to what you can project and Robert Eggers Nosferatu mm-hmm. style movie, I think it seems to fit. It's in his wheelhouse it, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Like it makes the most sense as you say that. I the Rasputin might actually be maybe more interesting just because it's yeah, not the more so. obvious choice, but <laughs> yeah. I'm also in a period of my life where I'm like, okay, we are in a glut of like miniseries, <sighs> limited series and new shows constantly coming out on all these streamers that are just multiplying. Mm-hmm. So anytime I get like an isolated story, I'm just like, yes. Two like ninety minutes to maybe hundred and fifty minutes, and we're done. I get the whole complete thing. Yes, sign me up. Give me yeah, something that, that is by someone I like. That's a subject matter that I'm interested in, and I don't care if I've seen <laughs> it before. I will watch it. So, yeah. Um, did you have something you wanted to say? Um, yeah, I, I am very intrigued by that Rasputin idea. Like just that uh, that historical character. That's like mm-hmm. some really great source material there. Yeah, that would definitely be him getting away from. Uh, his uh, um, location mm-hmm, related true. stuff, which would be really interesting. Still seems appropriate for his for his style, but maybe a little bit of a departure. But um, we'll just have to see. I mean, obviously, it feels like prestige TV is kind of a thing that people really grab a hold of, and you could see him doing something like this if he wanted to have a longer project, but. Yeah. But honestly, he can do whatever he wants, and I will be there regardless. I'm sure I'll still turn up, yeah. Um, it, it's fun when you can have as small of a filmography as he does and me be <laughs> dialed in no matter what. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Do we have any final thoughts about The Northmen? Uh, well, we have a f- we, uh, we are not 100% sure on what we want to do. Our next episode will be about. There's a. It feels like this will be a a pretty busy month in terms of uh, interesting movies, at least. Um, So we will have to announce that at a later date, but you'll just have to join us uh, next time. But until then, we'll see you at the movies. This episode was recorded in the studios of KZUM 89.3 FM in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find out more about KZUM and listen to more episodes of Cinema Roundtable by visiting kzum.org. Our theme music was composed by Joshua Spaulding.